1: what's up everybody i'm your host chris hampton and this is nate drolet and we are here in actually quite lovely lander wyoming yeah it's the conditions great right now are great we went rock climbing yesterday it's the first time we've rock climbed outside together in a while huh
0: yeah especially here i feel like every now and then we'll like we would travel for something and maybe like pop out for a day or yeah, something
1: but that's been years yeah like, when was the last time we climbed outside together? Maybe the rock shop like
0: three years ago or something. I feel like I was here for like the festival. And we went out when it was like super hot. Yeah. COVID fucked everything up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Three years. Yeah. But we got you out of Salt Lake briefly. Mm-hmm. You just finished your home mall. I did. The Crab Shack. The
0: Crab Shack. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. It, uh, I was... Waffling on names for it for a while. I really wanted the mail room. Oh, I like the mail room. Yeah, it's because sending things. Exactly. It's where you go if you want to send <laughs> the post office. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like the post office and the mail room, but also there's that, like, you know, the old trope of like the CEO's like, oh, I, you know, I started all the way down in the mail room and I worked my way up to ah, here. I like you know? that. It's that place where you go to grind. Um, mm-hmm. And then I asked a bunch of friends for ideas, and uh, Chad Volk actually said the Crab Shack. And I was like, I hate that so much. I have to, I have, to. like, it's so terrible yet so good at the same time. I was like, that's it. I like, I can't say no. Yeah. Well, good job, Chad. Yeah. But yeah, I'm very excited for that wall.
1: Yeah. I think I like mail room better.
0: Fair. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I do, but a part of me just couldn't, was like, yeah, no, I, I just, I have to respect this. No,
1: Crab Shack is good though. And you got a cool logo. Sid made you a cool yeah. sign for the, the yeah, wall.
0: Big, uh, like, 8-bit style pixelated crab out of tile. Yeah. Yeah, so. That's cool.
1: Um, I'm excited that you have it. It's a a game changer, I think.
0: I'm stoked, yeah.
1: Well, we're sitting down today to record a bunch of things, actually. We've got a bunch of episodes on the docket. Uh, This is number one of the day. And the topic is where we go wrong when we get training right. And this is an unfortunate thing, but I do see it pretty often that people are like actually nailing their training, Mm -hmm. but then that causes them to go off the rails a little bit. Yeah. This was your topic initially. We've sort of uh, transformed it a little bit,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but was there something that caused you to Write this topic down. I know oftentimes when we're putting topics on our list, it's because of something that just happened with a
0: client or with ourselves or whatever. Um, yeah, I think it was like a conversation I was having with someone where I was reassuring them because they were like having all these like mixed emotions about how their climbing was going. But ironically, they were climbing very well and training was just like buzzing along. And I was like, mm-hmm. hey, like, don't touch it. Like, this is great. Like, you know, we just, it's in cruise control at this point, but it's funny because it is like, like good training is simple. A lot of times it's like, it's more about consistency than it is extreme intensity. Like there is intensity, but I mean, oftentimes it's just like, you know, it's punching the clock and compared to this uh, like rocky mindset of like, I just need to go and like grind myself against a wall, like, and just beat myself into the earth. Like it doesn't feel like that. And so when it's working, you're like, I don't know, this is almost happening too easy. And I think especially with climbers, like a lot of us, you know, we're very, we can be very driven people and we're like, well, I can do more or I can do different. Mm -hmm. Like this is good. Can I get better?
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I am, and I think a lot of people who listen to this podcast are, you know, sort of experimenters in our training. Totally. And you can get sort of trapped into the habit of just constantly changing it. Yeah. It's hard to know whether training is working, per se. Um, So rather than give it a chance to play out, we often are just like, oh, I'll change this, I'll change this, and I'll keep changing this forever endeavor endeavor
0: yes yeah you know and training for climbing is still like like there's a lot of good information out there but it's still kind of new and we all have to be our own coach and in a way we're all kind of hobbyist sports scientists yeah like totally. all, a lot of us like reading research or just reading new books or things like that and really like you said experimenting um and that can be really detrimental yeah like it yeah. can be it can be a good thing But Uh, It
1: can, yeah. It can also go the wrong way. Um, We've got four big ones here. Um, I've got a fifth bonus item that sort of fits. Um, You want to get us started?
0: Yeah. Um, So the very first one is misreading the signs. So this kind of is in two different ways. One is a lot of times in really good training, if you are focused, and this is typically like training is in, um, using climbing as a form of training, um it is mentally very taxing, yeah, and oftentimes, the way I view it, you should be just as mentally taxed as you are physically taxed for sure at the end of a session, and oftentimes, like you have to end good goes on a project because you're just you can't put in that high level mental and emotional effort anymore,
1: yeah, um, yeah, I mean, just yesterday we were out at. Miner's Delight, and uh, our friend Hannah, who was doing our Red River trip prep plan, just started. Um, she decided to do her endurance days outside, and at the end of the day, I was asking her, you know, how did the laps go on that mm-hmm. thing? And she's like, I didn't necessarily get pumped, but I did get, like, I did realize I was having a hard time mentally Like forcing myself to stay on the wall and keep climbing and, you know, to stay focused up there. And, and she had the, you know, the wherewithal to say, but I think that's probably what I needed, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's probably a good thing. And that is, I, I think that's one of the pieces of training that people forget is really important is this mental resiliency piece, yeah. Um, so when it feels that way, instead of physically demanding, people tend to think, oh, I need to change something to make it pumpier or more tiring or I need to be sore the next day or whatever it is they're shooting for. Totally.
0: Um, and then another aspect of this, of misreading the signs, is that for like good strength training and especially good power training, you're not going to be very fatigued. Yeah pretty low volume overall, like you're gonna end your session feeling pretty good power work. I mean, you need to be fresh and you end it fresh because fatigue just completely stops your ability to produce power. So if you're doing a high quality power session, you're gonna feel great. You should end it feeling great, almost like hungry for your next session. Yeah. And that is confusing and it's really hard to do well.
1: Yeah, and I you know, I'll I'll give this like piece of advice in here is like spend some time actually doing the workouts how they're designed, especially if you're being coached or following a training plan. And you know, if you are being mentally challenged or emotionally challenged, um your your focus is being challenged, whatever, then Let that play out for a while instead of just immediately changing. If the suggestion is leave the gym fresh, then leave the gym fresh and let that play out. And over time, you learn how that feels and then you can stop your sessions at the appropriate time or you can feel like you're on track even though you're not getting sore. You're not getting pumped. You're not getting, you know, so fatigued that you can barely walk kind of a a feeling yeah that's definitely what like in high school when i was learning to work out it was like i want to be able to you know i want to get up tomorrow and not be able to move totally (laughs) you know that's not the way
0: yeah i mean and that's like that's still a classic you know you think about core training for some reason we are so terrible about you know, it'll be like, hey, here's a good core workout. You can do It's short. It's simple. You know, it's going to be effective. And people will be like, oh, I woke up the next day and I could laugh without pain. Clearly, it wasn't an effective workout. It's Mm -hmm. like, you wouldn't, we don't judge anything else by that standard. If you were like, oh, I got up the next day and I could make coffee without my hands cramping up. Clearly, my (laughs) form, my hangboard workout wasn't good. It's like, no, you would break, like, if that was your standard. Yeah, Um, totally. Yeah, Good training just doesn't, it doesn't feel as good in the moment as bad training does. Like bad training. Mm, Wow.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's an interesting way to say it, but it's true.
0: Yeah. Bad training's dessert, man. Just, it's great. (laughs) Like it's so flogging yourself. Yeah. That's, it's amazing. And you just feel good. Like you leave and you're like, yeah, I did work. Like good training almost never feels that way.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, number two here is you start doubting the validity of grades. Yeah. And I see this manifest in some other interesting ways. Like I'll see people very often level up and then start saying, Oh, well, that thing I just did must be soft. This must be soft. Yes. And they're sort of downgrading their own accomplishment, you mm-hmm. know? Which kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Why not just give, you know, just fist bump yourself and be like, I did a cool thing instead of, oh, I, I'm not that strong. I can't, you know, that's got to be soft.
0: Yeah. This one is the funniest thing to me because um, you'll see people who will just, you know, it's like, oh, they train really hard. Or you see this a lot with like uh, maybe more like teenagers or early 20-year-olds who – just have natural growth and development it's like oh you put on 10 pounds of muscle and grew four inches in the Mm -hmm. last like two years and they're just like oh everything feels like super soft and it's all super easy it's like you just need to go outside and get on something that is objectively hard that no one can disagree with right and like you need some new benchmarks Mm -hmm. um because yeah it like i'll see this where people will start being like they want to downgrade everything and then hopefully best case scenario they realize after a while they're like oh never mind everything just feels easy because i'm stronger because training worked yeah like and it should like if training works lower grades should feel a little easier should that's
1: the goal yeah and i actually see pros fall into this trap pretty often when they're giving grades for things and they're like well you know 9a took me The other 9A I did took me four days and this one took me, you know, two days. So it must not be 9A. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you just came out of a training season. You, you know, that 9A that took you four days was a year and a half ago. Yeah. How can you possibly judge the grade based on how long it took you? A different you. Yes, because you are a different you when you come out of a training block than at the end of a season a year and a half ago if the training was good if the training worked yeah yeah or it didn't work you're still a different you well
0: you're definitely still a (laughs) different you yeah
1: Um, but that's like a common way to decide on a grade is how long did it take me
0: so mm -hmm. when it
1: doesn't take you as long as the other ones it must not be as hard yeah and that's silly
0: It it is. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate that we don't have standards like good ones. Um, But it's funny. Like I, I remember when I was guiding in Waco, there was a guy who came out and he did full service, which is literally considered the gold standard for V10. Mm -hmm. Frankly, it's probably V11. Like it is like the hardest V10 in Waco. And he was like, oh, I don't know. I think it's, he's like, honestly, it's probably V9. It's probably V9. And he would tell anyone in his (laughs) radius that it was V9. And you know what? Like three, four years later, he was climbing V13. And it's like, oh, you were just very, very strong and ignorant to where grades were compared to where you were in that moment. Yeah. Like, so yeah, that's, and it is a funny thing. And it's tough if you travel, like, and I think this is why traveling, and a lot of people talk about vacation grades. Yeah. Mm. But the funny thing about it is, and vacation grades are real for sure, but you also have to take into account, people will be like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to go to this destination. I'm going to train the hardest I have for the next four months. Mm -hmm. And then they go and they're like, well, grades are just going down easier here than anywhere else. And it's like, yeah, you literally just took yourself seriously for the first time in years for the last four months. I hope the grades feel good. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it's 10 sleep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: for Kalimnos. oh yeah 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 I, I think that's a it's an interesting funny side effect of getting stronger is for some reason we don't give ourselves the credit of getting better we just say oh, everyone else must be wrong about the grade of this
0: yes everyone else is I wrong I can't
1: possibly be improving yeah yeah <laughs> <clears throat> Uh number 3 here and this is this is the one that first came to mind for me uh when we when we brought this topic up and that's when the training is right I see a lot of people just want to stay in the training. Yeah. And they forget that the goal is to eventually slow drastically or stop the training and go on the trip or get outside for the season. And so many people just want to keep training. Yeah, I get, I mean, I sort of get it cause I love training. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. being able to track improvement and see improvement. Uh, and it's easy to forget, especially if you're a person who, um, you know, I, I think it could go one of, one of two ways. Either you're a person who can sort of go outside whenever you want. So you just take it for granted mm-hmm. or you have really, um, specific training seasons and performance seasons, and you you can't really get outside in any co- sort of comfortable condition for a three- or four-month period. So you just forget how much more fun climbing outside is than yeah. this new thing where I'm seeing progress.
0: Yeah, and I am absolutely guilty of the second one. You know, I lived in the Southeast for like nine years, and so you've got a eight month training season essentially because it's just hot and gross for so much of the year. Yeah. And I am a believer that, look, if you're going to train, you should learn how to enjoy training. You should, man, go into it full heart. Just absolutely make it the thing you do. And also like you build momentum with training, especially if you're consistent, you know, you're not making big changes and trying to optimize every week. If you're like, oh, I'm just going to go week to week, month to month, you get in a groove and -hmm. it's nice, man. I love having that routine where you're just locked in and every session just clicks a little more than the last. And when it, when you have that momentum, the last thing you want to do, like you just want to keep it going. And it's easy for me to forget what the goal is like, Oh, I'm doing this to perform. Now, the second I do go outside immediately, I'm like if anything climbing outside makes me want to just sabotage all my training. Oh, for sure. I'm like, wait, why am I, what am I doing? Like, this is so much fun. And like, and also I just always see outside as a way to get better. Like just climbing yesterday, you know, I was like, went up a techie little 512 and I was like, okay, we still have some skills to learn. <laughs> uh, or at least to make current. At least to make current. Yeah. On some like super techie limestone. I was like, okay. Okay. Cool. This was a great check in. And before, even before that pitch, I was like, no, I'm like, I've got a while to go in my training. I'm locked in. And with that, I was like, maybe I just need to go climb on some really technical rock outside. Like, yeah. I wanted to throw it all out the window for this <laughs> one rock climb that, I, yeah. Well, and that's a funny flip
1: side of this. Like, I mean, I see people in the red do it every single season, at least every yeah. fall season. Yep. Where it's like the beginning of September gets there. And the temps drop below 80 for the first time. And you're like, it's on. Mm-hmm. The season is here. And then three weeks later, it's back to 105. Yeah. You know, but in those three weeks, you've been like, all right, it's it's the season. My training is done. You know, I feel great outside. No more training. Um, so that's sort of the flip side of this where the, the conditions or something lures you in to just bailing on the training entirely, even though it's going so well. And because you feel so good when you do get outside.
0: Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think, you know, one little anecdote here, Jonathan had has mentioned in the past, like he would, like he was just like, hey, if we threw every 15B rock climber in the world in the same room, I would probably be the weakest. But you know, I still get 15 B's done. And the reason that I can do that at the strength level I have is because my priority has been red pointing. Mm -hmm. Like, and that is really important. I think that ties into this idea of like, you need to remember that performance is the goal of training. Yeah. Like the goal of training is not to just keep training and do more training and more interesting training. It's to get results
1: like I'm pretty sure it's to get your finger strength numbers up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it depends how big your Instagram following is. <laughs> like but you know, for him, like his I mean, he truly isn't the strongest climber in the world, not by a long shot. But he performs. His training, which he is very methodical about, which as a pro, he's probably one of the more methodical yeah, people at training, especially in the last 4 or 5 years. For sure. Um, but he keeps the goal, the goal. He remembers, oh, performance is what I'm doing here. Cause it would be so easy for him to just completely scrap everything and be like, okay, I'm going to like, just get really strong at hangs and really strong at like lifting and pulling and we've seen it happen stuff over and over. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely happens. Training's fun, man. It is good. good Training's fun.
1: Not mad about it. Uh, let's take a break, come back and we've got, one more plus a bonus so i guess that's basically two more all right break Break, break. becoming a better climber isn't only about adding more weight to your max hang or deadlifting two times body weight frankly what's more important is that you understand your motivations your approach and that you're honest with yourself about the amount of effort you put in both on and off the wall my book, The Hard Truth, Simple Ways to Become a Better Climber, is a collection of 26 essays that shine a light on these qualities, the ones that limit us the most. The qualities that are hard to measure, but simple to manage. Simple, that is, when backed with intention. Every essay in The Hard Truth is written about real climbers in real situations. Maybe you know some of them. Maybe it's you. You can find The Hard Truth at powercompanyclimbing.com or anywhere else you get books. Now back to the show. Okay, we have returned.
0: Nate, you want to give us the, the next one? Yeah, so another place where things can go wrong when training's going right is the desire to add more or to even optimize. Mm. Um, and a lot of times this is just, you know, things are going well and I mean, if it's going well like this, what if I just did a little bit more? Or yeah, what if I made it better? What if I made it better? Like, man i I was coaching a guy the other day who, um, you know, he was talking. We were talking about his training, and he was like, "Well, I kind of want to add this and this and this." He was like, "Oh, he's like Chris Hampton would roll his eyes if he heard this conversation." He's like, "But does <laughs> doesn't he know, Chris? I have access to the internet. You think I can only add one thing at a time? Those, those days are gone." Uh, <laughs> And, and that's just it. Like, I, like, I get it. Like, and this is someone who does really good, smart training. Mm-hmm. And these were all like very reasonable, small things he was adding. Um, and they made sense with his, you know, his life setup. But yeah, it's so tempting whenever things are going well to be like, oh, but what if I just make a little tweak? Or, you know, oh, I'm doing this hangboard protocol and my fingers are getting stronger what if I added some Emil hangs and you know, was doing right. also doing that. And then what if I did some Matt faults off the ground pickups? And then what if I also did uh you know, Dave McLeod hang every day, also every day on top of Emil hanging every day, like all <laughs> of these things, like, you know, I could do overcoming isometrics and I'm yielding in offensive and defensive grip and lazy fingers, whatever those are. Like I can do all lacy? the lacy. Did you say lacy fingers? lazy. Oh, lazy Ooh, finger. What and is? high angle crimping. That's that's the big one this year. That's 2023 is the year of high angle crimping, oh. which is just clothes crimping.
1: I I wasn't aware. Yeah. Lazy fingers and high angle crimping. Lazy fingers and high angle crimping. These are new to me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm not paying much attention to the
0: Instagrams these days. Well, you're not. Well, fortunately, you're not going to have to be worrying about over-optimizing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's an easy thing to do because... Once again, like good training is pretty simple. Yeah. And shockingly, like you would, you would think that when you're in this groove and you're just seeing progress and it feels good, that you would be like, cool, let's stay the course. Yeah. But that, that never occurs to me. Like I have to force myself. I've like, I have to be like, okay, what would coach Nate say to stupid rock climber Nate? Like, and it's like, don't stop adding things.
1: Yeah, totally. And actually, that's that's one of the reasons when I was building the proven plans that I built them in such a way that's like, I'm going to make these sessions a little longer than you probably have available in the gym because I want to fill your time with good quality things so that you don't have time to just add a bunch of random shit to the end of it, Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what we all tend to do like. Oh, I've I've got a little more time, and this is working. So, let me add seven more things in
0: because that'll be better. More is better always. Exactly. You know, and we hear stories about Bill Ramsey training,
1: right? right?
0: You know, These yeah. mega sessions, or patchy, or pet, yeah, or patchy. You know, training thirty days of the month, kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Even in February. Even in February. Nice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. It. This is super easy, and it feel like I think optimization is maybe the sneakiest way to really sandbag yourself because it's so easy to just keep you know being like, oh, well, here's this other little thing I can add on, and it doesn't feel like it's changing that much, mm-hmm. but it, it does a lot. Like it makes it to where it's harder to track progress in the future if you change things halfway through. Also, you just, it's hard to account for how much little things can actually affect, like they may be taxing you more than you think. They may be like mentally taxing you more than you think Mm -hmm. to take care of. I I like the optimizing, um,
1: piece of this because I, it occurs to me, it can also go the other direction. Like there's a, a lot of rhetoric around, uh, never get tired while you're training. Mm. Um, But there are absolutely times where you should get tired. Like that's the only way to introduce how to move well when fatigued or how to stay focused when fatigued and how to manage pump and things like that, you know, that are basic building blocks for sport climbing. Yeah. Um, So if you're looking to optimize and you're doing, say, the Red River trip prep plan where you're getting pumped, doing lots of laps. And you're like, oh, well, uh, you know, I, my training would be better now. Even, it's working, but I can make it better by not getting fatigued while I train, by, you know, always being fresh in and out of my sessions. And then you've just tanked yourself by trying to optimize this thing that's working.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Optimizing is a, it's one of my least favorite words. I think I said this <laughs> to you yesterday. I'm Probably, not a yeah. fan. Yeah. We'll talk about this someday.
0: I I think it's one of those things that's very popular right now. And especially there are a lot of like science-y resources that are, that will take these little, I mean, these things that might be truthful in the sense of like, here's a supplement. Here is some sort of odd research thing that we just found out about how we can, you know, whatever biohack is the phrase you would have used five, 10 years ago, but basically hacking like a little extra progress. And let's say it gives you 0.5% benefits, but then you'll hear a two-hour podcast about it and you'll see 60 Instagram posts about it. And that you forget that it's maybe even like 0.05% progress and it swells in like enormity as you see all these resources talking about it. You're like, oh, this must be very important. It's like, no, it's just a popular thing today and it's really not that big of a deal and in fact the amount of time that you put in to even just absorb all of that could have been spent focusing on things that'll give you better benefits right like i think we're really in this strange place of so many people are optimizing without having an actual foundation yeah
1: i mean it, it's very rare that these things that are the the new optimal way Actually take into account real people in their lives and, <laughs> and how that this new thing might affect the rest of their lives. You know, we're looking at how it affects tendon stiffness, but how does it, you know, if, if that takes an extra two hours a week, how does that affect your marriage? You know, yeah, that could be a problem. How does that stress affect your tendon stiffness? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then you don't get to go rock climbing because you're always fighting with your spouse (laughs) over the amount of time you're spending in the gym, you know. So there are all these other pieces that these dots that have to be connected that just aren't. When we when we're talking about optimization that's pulled from a paper that's been, you know, 10 people controlled environment. And, and all variables stripped away, you know, that's where I see most optimization sort of come into the conversation without any context around it. Yeah. So I already started my optimization (laughs) rant. I said, we talk about that someday.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure we still will.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. Last one. And this sort of builds on this, like, um, you know, this is working so well, I need to change it idea. Yeah. And this is you go through a training cycle. uh, It worked really well. And then when it's time to plan your next training cycle, it's like, all right, I need to plan something different that works equally as well. New revolutionary. It's got to be new. It's got to be the newest thing, you know? Yeah. Instead of just, why don't I do that same thing again? you know. Yes. And maybe it's a slightly different intensity level. Maybe it's at a slightly different volume, but it looks almost identical. And people have a really hard time with that. We get a lot of questions when people are moving from like say uh Boulder Better to Boulder Strong or from um just climb more to climb 512 and they're like, "Well, I just got the climb 512 and it seems really similar to just climb more and i'm like yeah that's exactly the point mm-hmm. like now you're prepared for just climb 512 and the slight differences that it has um and people forget that
0: yeah yeah it you know it's i talked about chad volk at the beginning of this episode he was the one who named the crab shack but what he does with his training to me still is like It is amazing as a self-coach climber because like it's what I do as a coach, but the things I do as a, as an actual self-coach climber, I'm terrible about, (laughs) but he'll be like, I mean, he's done the same hangboard program, I think like four summers in a row. Yeah. And every year I'm like, you do anything different this year? He's like, keeps working. Why would I stop? Mm -hmm. Like, he's like, you know, last year I started at plus 40 pounds. and like by the end, I had built it up to plus seventy five. This year, I'll start at plus forty five, and I'll work up to plus eighty. Yeah, maybe next. Perfect. Yeah, I'll have added five pounds to my finger strength. That's great. That's progress. You know what? And there's a reason that guy like went from five eleven to five fourteen, like just consistently grade after grade, year after year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And going back to the proven plans, I had a friend who. She did the climb 512 three times in a row, Yeah, like had just broken it into 512. And she was like, oh, I'll do this. Got solidified at the 12 minus. She was, And she was like, Nate, should I do this again? I was like, it worked great. You should do it again. Now, would I have done that myself? No, of course <laughs> not. I need revolution. But with her, I was like, oh, absolutely. Do it again. Did it again. Solidified in the 12 plus range like, or mid five twelve, 12, like 12 B C issue. And she was like, should I do it again? I was like, it keeps working really, really well. Yeah. Keep going. And she did. And she like, I think said her first 13, A like after the third time doing it, I was like, cool. Yeah. Like you did it three times. It worked great. Like you could do it again. If you want, you could look elsewhere, but yeah, it's, it's amazing how just simple it can be. But yeah, like, the biggest thing about training is if you see something that works, hold on to it, write it down everywhere. Be like, this worked for me. And this doesn't have to be physical training. It can be mental training. It can be an approach, mm-hmm. man. I can't tell you how many old training journals I have where I flip through them, you know, every like, year and a half or so, and all these big stars like scribbled in next to a sentence or two, you know, and this will be from like 2008. And I look and I'm like, God damn it. I just had to relearn this last year. Like (laughs) in, yeah, there's just so many things where it's like, Oh, turns out this thing that worked for me five years ago, I'm, I may not be the same person, but I'm mostly the same person. Mm. And it's, I still have a lot of the same tendencies. My body's very similar, like probably still going to work. Like, I think there is in climbing, there is an overfocus on variety and training. Yeah. Um, variety and training has its benefits, but we have to remember climbing is variety. Yeah, exactly. It, like you're going to go into the gym and you're going to do 60 different boulders, all unique movements, completely different from each other. They reset, problems are all different, and no one even repeats the same boulder session to session. They're like, well, I want to do different warm-ups in this. If anything training for climbing we need to trim out as much variety as possible because everything already is varietal
1: yeah i I think it's that's one of the best pieces of um the best pieces of like teaching us to adapt and learn and is that every boulder problem is different every route is different it's constant variety Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a a dream setup for someone who's trying to teach you adaptability Um, so those you know those sessions where uh, we might ask you to repeat a boulder multiple times or to you know to go back to a project you've already sent and try to redo it uh, things like that 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 people are really hesitant to do it's because you're already getting a ton of variety Mm -hmm. you know it's it's built into the process
0: yeah yeah i remember years ago um when power company was just your blog Mm -hmm. and you had written about you are like okay cool my uh my training season starting up i've got my whatever it was like three limit problems one was the black lung problem oh yeah and you're like this is all I'm gonna have the same warm-up problems, and these are my only limit problems, and that's all I'm gonna train on, and then I'll climb outside as well, yeah, or whatever it was. And I remember being blown away by the idea of—I was like, for the next three months, you're only gonna have like the same three boulder problems that you try. Oh, I was mad when they took that black lung problem down <laughs> too. I never finished it. I think I still remember the photos of came it. Came very close. Um, <laughs> but I rem- and I remember you had a great year that year. Yeah, like. Yeah, variety in rock climbing, I think, is, for a lot of people, very overrated.
1: Yeah, and maybe if you're the type of person who's like, you've been working on the same project for, you know, four or five years, and that's most of what you're climbing on, then maybe you need more variety in your training. Um, But most of us are going outside and climbing lots and lots of unique moves And we're doing the same thing in the gym over and over and over. Mm -hmm. So um, having some pieces of your training that are more systematic and less variety is a really smart way to go. Yeah. We totally got off topic there. But but I do think it's, you know, especially as like self-coach climbers who love experimenting, love trying to figure out what's going to work. It's it's exciting to like come into that next training season where it's like oh now I have to write my training plan and oh it's fun you know. But you've just if you found a thing that worked, if you had a if you wrote a whole training plan that just worked, well, you just saved yourself a lot of hours the next time around. You know, spend that time researching the routes you want to do or god forbid go outside and get on the routes you want to do as research you know um instead of spending those 10 hours writing a whole brand new training plan that may or may not work stick to the thing that did yeah i mean that's easier said than done yeah for sure i know i've been there yeah i've tanked my own my own good training (laughs) more than once yeah (laughs) same all right uh you guys know where to find us on the facebook's the instagrams the youtubes nate is on youtube now yep um talking super super nerdy climbing things so if you're a super super nerd definitely go check that out you'll find links to all of that right there in the description and uh I don't know. I don't think we can sign off with the Twitter thing anymore. I haven't really kept up with what's going on there, but yeah. It's still X. It's so weird. It's still X. I didn't, I didn't really like Elon before and now I like him even less because he fucked up
0: my sign off. Yeah. So what you're saying is our patron podcast has outlived Twitter. We're more it has. we're more resilient. Yeah, we're more resilient. Yeah. More important. More dude. important. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
1: We'll see you guys next time. time,
0: this time, this time, this time, this time, this time, this time,